Hello. Hello. How's it going? Great. Pretty good. Is it great? Is everything great in the world right now? No, but we'll... <laughs> we have to wait a whole year before we can have some decent movies celebrated. Us comes out in three weeks, so... Dude, okay, hang that. on. Really quick, because I'm going to get into this right now, because I'm freaking <laughs> stoked about this. Uh, hello and welcome to episode, what, 23 of know. We Watch Movies and Then Talk About Them, the only podcast on the internet where we watch a movie and then talk about it. There may be other podcasts where people watch movies and talk about it, but this is the only one that we do it. My name is Andrew Westensko. I am the host of this year podcast, joined as always by Becca at my right hand. Hello. And at my slightly left hand, mostly across from me by Sid. Hello. And we're going to be taking on a magical journey today discussing Danny Boyle's Sunshine. But before that... That was a very fast intro. <laughs> I know, I've got it down at this point. Uh, before that, holy crap, is 2019 going to be a great year for horror movies? It's going to be pretty good. <laughs> yeah. So, um, we have High Life coming out, which I think is going to be kind of a sci-fi horror. I don't know. Uh, Yeah. In any case, haven't watched the trailer. Have no idea if it looks good. I'm going to go see it. It does look good. That's great. Um, Us comes out very soon. We've recently had the official announcement for Midsummer, which is Ari Aster's new film following up last year's breakout hit, Hereditary, his directorial debut. Becca's favorite movie of all time. Becca's favorite movie of all time. Um, We also have The Lighthouse, which is the follow-up from, I forget his name, but it's the guy who directed The Witch. It's just, it's great. Man, we have. I'm gonna hate these. Movies. We have the remake of Child's Play coming out. We have It Chapter Two coming out. It's uh, it's gonna be a great year for horror movies because all of these, I'm sure, will be fantastic. They better be, or I'm, all is lost. I'm unrealistically excited for the remake of Child's Play. I think it's gonna be great. I've never seen any of them. Neither, honestly, neither have I. But like, I love the like I I think Chucky is hilarious. There's also as a character. Uh, remake of pet cemetery that's right i forgot about that one there's just 2019 is going to be a great year for horror movies becca's going to love it we're going to go see (laughs) all of them and it's going to be fantastic i'm excited for a couple of them most of them i will probably not like i can't wait for boring biopics to win all of the oscars you think they'd be running out of people at this point everyone's dead already just make up a new story yeah Seriously. Um, really quick, in case I forget as well, I promise we are going to actually talk about Sunshine today, but <laughs> before I forget, I want to give a shout out because I'm sure that I am behind the eight ball on this one, but I discovered a new YouTube channel this week. Uh, Patrick H. Willems is the name of the YouTube channel. He does... I think I just discovered that one too. Really? Yeah. He does like slightly long form video essays. They're like 20, 30 minutes long. Did you watch the... He did the wrong with music biopics. Yep. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 I had that recommended to me and I was like, this is interesting. And I've just been binging his videos for the last week yeah, because they're, they're really, really good. good. Um, he did a really interesting two part series on why Michael Bay is one of the greatest American directors. <laughs> <laughs> um, he did a good one that I just watched on why James Cameron is the best action director. I don't know that I know enough straight-up action directors to dispute the fact, but it was an interesting video. (laughs) He did one, um, which I still disagree on, um, about why Star Wars Episode Eight is the best Star Wars since Empire Strikes Back and, like, an actually good movie. 
and I have my disagreements with his theories, but yeah. whatever. He does a good job explaining it. Yeah, I watched uh, the music one and then uh, why Marvel movies look so ugly. I didn't watch that one. I, he had one come out just a couple days ago, maybe yesterday even, that was like the problems with the Marvel yeah, universe. Yeah, I didn't watch that one yet. That one was really good. Yeah, the the why Marvel's ugly was like a th- three years old, so hmm. it's an old one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I just, I wanted to shout that out to anybody really out good. there. Um, he's got like a million subscribers, so it, it, he's not anything new. Yeah. Uh, I just discovered him because of his Bohemian Rhapsody video and I thought it was quite good. It, mm-hmm. it like I got, cause I got into a discussion with my sister about the, the night of the Oscars. We got into a slight argument about why I thought Bohemian Rhapsody wasn't deserving of any of the Oscars that got nominated for, except because for Remy Malik. It's not. <laughs> and I was just pointing out a bunch of things, and she was like, "She's like, well, like those are all things that are just like part of the biopic genre. Like it, you can't, you can't hold it. The things that I had against Bohemian Rhapsody, right? Yeah. She's like, you can't hold that against Bohemian Rhapsody, and then give other movies a pass. And I kind of started thinking about that, and then I watched his video, and I was like, man, like maybe I just don't watch." A lot of biopics or maybe like maybe i do have more beef with these than uh than i thought i did because like i should have loved like darkest hour for example mm-hmm. and i thought the cinematography was incredible in that movie and obviously gary oldman did a great job but like i forgot about it yeah <laughs> it's pretty boring <laughs> yeah so like i kind of started thinking about it and i think i just don't love biopics i don't really think i like them that much either but, I mean, watching his video, you can definitely see why some versions are better than oh, yeah. others. Well, and, like, Imitation Game was nominated for, like, a bajillion Oscars. Yeah. And I thought that movie was painfully average. I think, in terms of, like, all of the other biopics that I can even think of, I think I like it more than others. But, I mean... I mean Brand- Snatch has good charisma. <laughs> and it's Keira Knightley in that, right? Yeah. I like her in pretty much anything. I don't know. I just think... I don't know. Biopics are just like, they're just kind of boring, really. Yeah. Beck and I have been talking about this. I think that my movie tastes are um, slowly more and more skewing towards, uh, I guess, the outlandish, you could say. <laughs> I like weird things a lot. And so like these down home, down to earth stories about real people overcoming extreme odds, like mm-hmm. just don't do it for me because there's no like witches. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really and it's not like in another language or like hard to watch exactly or... like yeah. <laughs> i sit down and watch just like an easy mass consumer movie and i'm just like stop pandering to me <laughs> but i mean there are like you know like schindler's list or the pianist or um i haven't seen either of those i've seen both i mean both of them are about the holocaust so i guess that's kind of a bummer but like there are definitely ones that are more interesting stories honestly though you were getting steven spielberg at the height of his powers though for schindler's list yeah but i'm not a fan of steven spielberg at the moment so explain he's really rallying against netflix oh go suck it steven spielberg <laughs> but that doesn't dismiss him as one of the i know but most i'm just important and best mad at him right time. now i'm just mad and then i mean the pianist you have unfortunately but then, roman polanski yeah that's true but then there's like the social network and um 
what else is on here? Like Amadeus, Amadeus? Raging Bull. I don't I don't consider Amadeus a biopic though. I've never actually seen it. Amadeus is so freaking good. <laughs> it's on my potential ten list. Wow. It's it I think it might be it's it's up there with boyhood as far as a movie that's three hours long that I watched it and thought it was like forty five minutes. Wow. It's we need to watch Amadeus. It is okay. so good. I mean, it came out in like 1980, mm-hmm. but it holds up so freaking well. The performances are incredible. It's not even about Mozart. Like, Mozart is a supporting character in it. It's so good. It's right. so good. We'll have to give that one a watch. Um, yeah. We'll talk about this maybe a little bit more because... <laughs> <laughs> I have I have a revisionist corner for the end of this episode. Ooh. Yeah. Um, let's get into it though. Today right. we are discussing, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> hey, here's the thing. If you're a returning listener, you're coming back for the tangents. <laughs> yeah. That's the funnest part. How often do we actually stay on topic? Rarely if ever. Never. Um, today we're talking about Danny Boyle's 2007 sci-fi horror monster movie sunshine starring chris evans sideburns <laughs> the best star you could get yes i think i don't know if he actually was there was a a, a quick frame towards the end of the movie where i mean it, it was maybe a three second shot and i would have sworn to you that he was a mid-2000s american eagle model it seemed like he had the, the like two baggy jeans and the <laughs> Like blue polo with the white undershirt, and I would have, I would have, you know, bet a million dollars he had a puka shell <laughs> necklace on, and he had the buzzed head with the side. I this guy, like 2007, was a weird time for Chris Evans. <laughs> but it's never been bad for him, you know. He's always been beautiful, even in Fantastic Four. He's still good. Flame on. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so uh, Sunshine is the story of Chris Evans' sideburns. And Killian Murphy's mullet. <laughs> Killian yes. Murphy's mullet. Can you tell the guy hasn't had a haircut for 16 months? Uh, he could cut it in the zombie apocalypse, but he can't cut it in space. No, the doctors cut it for him. What? Yeah, he Did comes I... out of the hospital, his head's oh. buzzed. He shaves in the zombie apocalypse. That's, That's right. it. Okay. He makes a big deal out of shaving. Okay. All right. As if it matters. <laughs> like having, like if you're trying to seduce the attractive woman who has taken you under her wing, being all sliced up is going to be better than having a kind of patchy beard. <laughs> Come on, dude. I know you're just a, a courier, but get with it. Um, Sunshine is the story of Chris Evans' sideburns flying a bomb into the heart of our very own son in an attempt to restart it. Uh, This movie takes place about 40 years from now. And uh, I don't think that we're at risk of our son dying in the next 30 years. It's more the earth that's going to die first, but... Just the polar bears. I don't like that either. (laughs) (laughs) Or... It's a good thing that we gave Leonardo DiCaprio an Oscar because I'm sure he would just like commit suicide on camera in his <laughs> next film. <laughs> She'd be like, I'm committed to the role. 
<laughs> on the new Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. He just kills himself. <laughs> That's coming out this year? Yes. And um, The Irishman yes. is coming out. That commercial during the Oscars was so good. So good. <laughs> um, 2019 is looking good, people. Let's pray, everyone. Let's pray. Let's pray. Let us all join hands. <laughs> <laughs> Let's pray for it to be August so that we can all go see Midsummer. Because I don't even care about anything else. I just want to see that movie so much. It's a freaking, yeah. it's about a pagan festival that these two people go to and things go awry and it's supposed to be more effed up than Hereditary was. Oh boy. Blessings. Thank you. Thank you, Ari Aster. Oh no. I cannot wait. I cannot wait. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be really good, and I'm sure that I will not like it. Oh, but you're going to go see it. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Maybe maybe there will be less naked people. Maybe. I think it's a coin toss, honestly. <laughs> I don't know. Pagan ritual sounds pretty naked. Yes. That's true. That's true. Okay. Sunshine <laughs> stars Chris Evans' sun- sideburns flying a bomb into the heart of the dying sun. It also has Killian Murphy and a bunch of other people that I do not know and have not seen in anything else. Yes. What? Who's the cute girl? Rose Byrne. What's she in? I know she's in. Things. She's been in. Uh, she was in like the first class X Men. Um, Yikes. She was in Insidious, and like Bridesmaids. She's kind of. It's only like in the last few years that she's actually gone famous. Hmm. Also, Benedict Wong. I didn't know. Is that Benedict? Yeah, Wong? I didn't that know that lost, was him. That dude lost oh. some weight. I know he looked totally different. Yeah. And then. Uh, pretty much the only other two that i recognize are pinbacker the like the bad guy oh, from but the you don't even see him uh, yeah plays him um mark strong oh okay yeah. and then the other one i kind of recognize cliff curtis the like psychiatrist guy but mostly that's from the meg which is not the m- most prestigious thing you want to be recognized for <laughs> um you mean that that didn't make rain wilson's career just take off <laughs> You know, we all wish it could have, but no. And then these the other four, one. These four struggling office stars, man. It's true. Steve, even Steve Carell is having a hard time getting out from the shadow of the office. It's true. And then the other one I recognize is Michelle Yeoh. She was in um, Crazy Rich Asians. No, I didn't actually see that. Yeah. And she presented at some of like the, the Oscars. Oh. Mm-hmm. Well, there you go. Um... This movie is kind of a mid-period movie for Mr. Danny Boyle. Returning listeners of this podcast will know that he is currently my favorite director. I love Danny Boyle. It was also uh, notably written by Alex Garland, also the writer of 28 Days Later, and writer and director of both Ex Machina and Annihilation. We're a fan. We like Alex Garland. That we are. So I have some, some, some hot takes on this. Becca, I'd like to hear your hot takes first on Sunshine. Now, just to remind you guys, this is Becca's third time seeing this movie. Yes, it is. She couldn't remember if she had watched it. What? Yes, <laughs> I knew I'd watched it. I just thought I'd only watched it once, not twice. Oh, okay. It is our third time watching it together. So. <laughs> yes, that is true. And it's amazing. Am I going? Yeah, you're up. Okay. Um... I really love this movie. It's just the colors, I think, are my favorite part of it. 
the colors are amazing and there's like a lot of contrast in colors um so the cinematography and a lot of the effects i guess are really cool um so as it being my third time watching it i definitely love it it's very hot 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 like the sun (laughs) (laughs) and yeah i love it it's a good movie right on sid um i liked this one halfway through i like wasn't crazy about it you know i thought it was just kind of -of run-of-the-mill sci-fi movie um but more towards the end and like the last three-fourths um you know they throw in some crazy plot twists and you know it's also very sentimental and heartfelt um my favorite part of it is the music and the music is fantastic um yeah i just think it's great i really liked it right oh um this is my fourth time watching this i think i think i watched it once without you and i first discovered this movie when interstellar came out in what 2013 is that when that came out yes i want to say seriously that's six years ago wow let's see uh, one more quick shout out to the IMDb app. 2014. Okay. To the IMDb app for now having search history. Because I, during the course of watching a movie, will search for the same thing like six times. But I, I'm OCD about closing my apps. So then I open <laughs> the app back up and what I'm looking for is right there. So thank you, IMDb, for finally introducing search history. It didn't used to have it. <laughs> now, um... So this is my fourth time seeing this movie, and first discovered it when Interstellar came out because BuzzFeed, of all things, back when I read BuzzFeed, (laughs) came out with an article that said that Sunshine was Interstellar before Interstellar was Interstellar. And so this movie coming into my life is probably the only good thing that BuzzFeed (laughs) has ever provided for anybody. (laughs) Uh, You should close your doors and shut down your website because you are a cancer on the internet. Um, But I also think that the person who wrote that article might have been just being a huge contrarian and or like under the influence of some illicit substances because apart from taking place in space, I don't think these movies They're so different. No, not really. (laughs) Um... And I think that it does this movie a disservice to compare it to Interstellar, which is, like, one of the better sci-fi films ever made, I think. (laughs) And it's funny because I have for a long time said that this was my favorite Danny Boyle film. And I think that's changing. Yeah? I think that I maybe was a little too hot on this movie. Hmm. That's not to say that it's bad. And I agree with Sid that it seriously picks up speed as it goes. Mm-hmm. I think the first half is like a six. And then the second half gets a lot better. Um, what I most noticed about this movie and most appreciated about it is how clearly it was essential for both Alex Garland and Danny Boyle in their filmmaking careers. How, like, Danny Boyle... I don't think would have been able to make like 127 hours without making this movie first. There's so many similarities between this movie and that movie from like a style perspective. So I think that what I noticed most about it this time was the, the, the directing and how that leads into 
kind of the golden age of Danny Boyle films that I believe that we are living in now with movies such as, you know, 127 Hours and Steve Jobs, which, hot take, I do think now that Steve Jobs is probably his best film. All right. That's just me. Um, I loved the cinematography in this. Um, I loved the directing. The performances were... um, a little all over the place to be honest i think that chris evans and killian murphy do a great job i think that the guy who plays the psychiatrist does a great job um i think that everybody else kind of drops the ball a little bit to be totally honest and i think that the screenplay maybe could have done with another run through (laughs) it had 35 revisions on the script are you serious oh wow (laughs) so what's another what's 36 you know yeah i don't know some of the some of the dialogue was just a little clunky yeah. yeah, I think the most notable exception being when they, uh, the ship is like creaking because the panels are expanding or contracting or whatever, and the botanist lady or Chris Evans is like, "Oh, it's just the metal expanding and contracting." The botanist lady is like, "I know what it is, fly boy." And then the scene cuts <laughs> like that's the ending line in the scene. <laughs> it's like <laughs> that's totally out of character for you. Yeah. <laughs> and also, it's not a very good line. <laughs> But as we know, even <coughs> moving on to movies such as Annihilation, Alex Garland is no stranger to uh, clunky dialogue. <laughs> He's really good at characters. He's good at setting up scenarios and exploring themes. But he maybe needs to hire a new uh, human being to read through his scripts and be like, <laughs> people don't talk like that. <laughs> He's just so used to writing about robots that he's like, this he writes, is how he writes a talk. great robot in Ex Machina. <laughs> yeah. Ex Machina yeah, is probably his best screenplay. I would say so. But yeah, he's just gotten like uh, robot speak like human, and then that's how his script comes. Exactly. Out. <laughs> uh, but overall, I do quite enjoy this movie, and I think uh, the things that I'm saying might make it sound like I don't like it. I do. I like it a lot. I was just a little bit let down from my memory of it. Happens to the best of us. So what were your favorite parts about this movie? Um, well, my favorite part is just like the colors. Like I love almost any movie about space just because space is cool. Space is cool. So even if it's like a bad movie, I think it's still fun to watch movies about space. Um, and I thought that I like don't know, Space just, Jam. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> Come on, slap! <laughs> Becca loves Space Jam. Every space loves movie it. but that one. Space Jam 2 is coming out this year? <laughs> Woo! Oh, no. <laughs> I don't think the Looney Tunes are at the same level of power that no, they were at when Space not. Jam 1 came out. <laughs> nope. <laughs> well, okay. So I will rephrase that. Most movies about space. I very much enjoy. Space Jam is not about space. It's so. true. Yeah. Anyway, I, I feel like saying office space is about space just because that's space. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I think like I just all the scenes with the sun is really, really cool. Like in the observation room and when they're like fixing the panels, like I just think that like the colors are amazing and the use of colors in from the sun it's really cool in this movie. Amen. Yeah, visually, I, this movie's stunning for the most part. Yeah. 
Um, I think it does a really good job of mixing kind of Danny Boyle's really uh, kinetic and hectic uh, directing style with some really effective establishing shots and wide angles of different things. And for the most part, for this coming out in 2007, and I don't think it was... I mean, what was the budget on this? Can we find out? Budget, 26 million. That's not a lot. That's in euros. Uh, Pounds. Pounds, whatever. Uh, Yikes. In any case. (coughs) And it did not make a lot of money. (laughs) Yikes. Uh, The CGI looks great for the most part. Yeah. I think that the... Um, oh gosh, what did I just rewatch? That had really bad CGI. I don't remember. We'll talk about it, I'm sure. Um, oh, I saw it was in it was in a no, it was in a video I was watching on YouTube. It showed a clip from 28 Days Later. Oh, and the freaking green screens in that movie are atrocious, and I don't know how we didn't <laughs> notice that. <laughs> he did it for the podcast. Uh, but he does a really good job here considering that he's only five years removed from that. Um, I mean, this is obviously much higher budget than 28 Days Later. Um, yeah, I think it's I think it's visually stunning. I think that a lot of the, the things they do with uh, shadows and silhouettes specifically are awesome. And I, I think, um, it, you know, thinking about it now, I think that probably my favorite thing about it, though, is probably the screenplay. And that's clunky dialogue aside because I think it does a good job at, at setting things up. And I love that this movie is a sci-fi movie, but it's also like at the same time, like kind of a horror movie, kind of a monster movie, kind of a cult movie. Like, But you don't realize it. It just yeah, kind of sneaks yeah, it in there. You don't realize that it's a cult movie until like most of the way through. It's like it's like what would happen if if you had the cult leader, the charismatic cult leader. And they're like number one follower, but then there were just like no other people. <laughs> <laughs> but they were just like left alone for a long time. <laughs> I don't know. What about you, Sid? Um, yeah, I think probably my favorite part was um, the screenplay. Because, you know, you watch a, a space movie and you expect things to go wrong. Oh, it's crazy. Things are breaking down. But this one, it... I could see why someone would draw comparisons between Interstellar and this is that it's, I don't know, it just throws in, throws into the mix stuff that you don't really expect in a space movie. You know, you don't expect the captain of this one that went down seven years ago to still be alive and to be this disfigured monster who comes and kills everyone. Yeah. I mean, now that you think about it, that's kind of Matt Damon. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So... I don't know. Yeah, I really liked it. Um, I mean, like, Gravity. Great movie. Great movie. We love Alfonso. He's the best. Alfonso's the best. He deserves so much more. (laughs) Um, But, honestly, it's just kind of like, it's a very slow movie. and Gravity? Yeah. What are you talking about? Okay, it has been a few years since I've seen it. But, like, there's no, like, surprise murderer on the ship. Oh, no. So, it does, it's... Where some movies like Gravity may be just like a, you know, better screenplay, better just movie kind of directing. But this one is, it's more entertaining and it's more, I guess, fun to watch. This movie is very entertaining. Yeah. 
Um, one thing that I thought about somewhere through the movie is like I can't imagine a world in which these are the most qualified people to take on this mission. <laughs> I know. I was thinking that. I was like, none of these people, like none of them seem like scientists or experts at exactly. all. <laughs> so that's the thing is I think that this movie does require a pretty decent suspension of disbelief. And if we're suspending our disbelief to the point that we can believe the sun is burning out in 30 years, then... I believe that the only qualified person to do this is the most attractive man, Chris Evans. Like, they're not going to be that hot in real life. <laughs> That's fair. They're not. And, like, they're not going to be freaking bean poles like Killian Murphy. There's that scene where he's in his uh, tank top. Yeah. And you can see his arms are, like, <laughs> emaciated. Like... <laughs> I'm like, isn't it super physically demanding to go to space? (laughs) (laughs) Wouldn't this man break? (laughs) Um, But yeah, I think it it is. It's a good sci-fi movie. It really is. And um, one thing that I am split on, though, um, I'm not sure if I like it or I don't like it because there was a lot of like, hey, moments, but also they got a little distracting where the callbacks to 2001 I don't know how many of them. I don't know if I noticed. A lot of them were were visual, but also I'm talking like, you know, launching yourself back into the ship through an exploding airlock. Yeah. And there was several shots of the airlock where it's just like this pristine white circle. Uh-huh. Kind of calling back to that scene, you know, the famous shot where he's walking down the hallway and it's octagonal and everything is white and he's mm-hmm. in his red suit. Um, I think the AI in a lot of ways called back to, um, Hal, I think that the room with the payload in it, uh, looked intensely like the room where Hal was kept. That's true. So as I'm saying, like a lot of it, and and I, I, I get it, like 2001, kind of the gold standard there as far as sci-fi movies go. Um, so that's why I say like I liked it, but I also found it a bit distracting at times. Mm-hmm. Also, like this, and, and and they played with it a little bit, but there was twice where like people are floating off into space, which is one of my favorite shots from two thousand one. Oh yeah. Um, so I don't know. I did think about two thousand one while we were watching this. I didn't realize until now how much I thought about it. Now that you're bringing up all these things. Yeah, and this is just off the top of my head. I'm sure that uh-huh. there's. I'm sure that there's more. So. I, I don't know how I feel about that because, um, I mean, it, as long as we're comparing it to Interstellar, Interstellar does a lot of callbacks to 2001 as well, especially, I mean, and I guess different ones like the robots in 2001 look exactly like the monolith and the whole like wormhole scene is really similar and I don't know. So, but that's what I'm saying. I'm split on it because I like them because I think it's, it's fun, but they also were a bit distracting to me at times. Okay. I don't think they were distracting for me, but I definitely see where you're coming from. Yeah, I think if I had seen 2001 before uh-huh. watching this... I told you I haven't seen this. We were going to watch it a few weeks ago. That's right. Um, yeah, if I were to have seen this and been aware... Because like in the trivia, it says that um, Danny Boyle draws a lot of inspiration from it. Um, Boom! <laughs> <laughs> I would have definitely noticed it more. Um but, I mean, you know, if you're not really made aware, you may not notice it. Even the design of the ship is really similar to the design of the ship from 2000. Yeah. Where it's, like, fat at one end and skinny down the line. Yeah. 
I thought the design of the ship was really cool. The design of the ship is awesome. I love the like plant room. Oxygen, no. Oxygen garden. garden. That's yeah. what it's called. I thought that was really cool. And a, another like really good contrast of color to just see all this green yeah, in space. They, they bring a surprising amount of color into a movie that takes place on a spaceship. Yeah. And they do a good job of making the spaceship feel huge. Yeah. I think it feels gigantic. Mm-hmm. Like it just made me want to like walk around this ship that doesn't exist and see what it's like. Right? No, <laughs> I totally agree with you. Okay, who's your favorite characters? This is this is like a personality test, right? I am BuzzFeed now. <laughs> Pick your favorite sunshine which, characters. Which sunshine character and are you? We'll tell you which <laughs> dessert you are. <laughs> <laughs> Let's find out. Becca, who's your favorite? Who's your favorite? I don't know <coughs> who my favorite is because I like them all and hate them all at certain points. Like, in the beginning, I don't really like Chris Evans, but by the end, I like him a lot. And um, Killian Murphy, I really liked in the beginning, and then there were times throughout the movie where I was just like, nah, he's a wimp and whatever and i don't care about him so i don't know if i even have a favorite it just depends on what part of the movie i'm watching you are tiramisu really i was gonna <laughs> say uh frozen yogurt because she's so indecisive she shouldn't just pick just and put choose. it all uh well i was gonna say tiramisu because there's layers and they're distinctly oh. separated just like the different points of the movie where ah. she likes different characters right. wow go work for buzzfeed thank you buzzfeed uh I don't have a job right now. <laughs> if you need someone to write your quizzes, let's do it. <laughs> You'd be good at it. <laughs> All right, Sid. Um, I would say my favorite is Chris Evans. I mean, he is a jerk in the beginning, and you don't like him, but it's not. It doesn't take too long till you can realize that he's the most practical one, and everything he's saying makes sense. And I don't know. I just think he's a very good character. And his sideburns are great. What am I? Molten lava cake. All right. Sweet. Because <laughs> he's smoldering hot. Very true. Holy cow, people. What were you going to say, Becca? Oh, I was just going to say about uh, Chris Evans. I think the like best moment for her, his character is when they're on the other ship and he puts Kappa. Is that That's killing Murphy's yeah. mm-hmm. name, right? He puts him in the suit Mm -hmm. because he's the most important. Like he like that shows that. Yeah. Like what you said, Sid, like even if he comes across as a jerk, like he's the same the entire time. Mm -hmm. And the most important thing is getting the payload to the sun. Yeah. Because earlier when they're trying to decide if they should even go to the other ship, it kind of just seems like he doesn't want to because he wants to live, which, of course, everyone wants to. And he would rather get the payload there and have a chance of maybe getting back but after that scene you can see that like he only cares about the the mission and you know he would even die to get it done so see it's interesting that you said that when i was talking about qualifications of the characters 
and you said that it's unlikely that the most attractive man would be the most qualified. But I got to tell you, I think the only person qualified to be on that ship is Chris Evans. (laughs) I do agree with that. Yeah, probably true. (laughs) He is the only person that actually (laughs) should have been there. (laughs) Everybody else had some gigantic personality flaw that I feel like immediately would have uh, made them just not able to go on this mission. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't, the psychologist guy bugged me really bad. Like, he's crazy. Yeah. I was like, he's not a psychologist. (laughs) Because he's actually insane. (laughs) (laughs) And then Kappa is like an indecisive little whiny boy. Yeah. The captain, the captain, the first one who died, he probably deserved to be there. Yeah. Um, Harvey is that his name? Yeah. Oh, he was awful dude yeah. harvey wasn't kicked in the nuts enough as a kid <laughs> um like sometimes you get knocked down <laughs> but you get up again <laughs> you tell them you're never gonna knock me down <laughs> um as a jumble wumba reference for all of the kids out there <laughs> Showing my age a bit. <laughs> I know that song. Okay, good. I'm not, you're not that old. There's any like 16 year olds out there listening? That like, uh? like what? 21 Savage? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what 16 year olds talking about. Um, and yeah, so Chris Evans is absolutely the best character in this movie because he's the only one that deserves to be on that ship, and he's the only reason that it even succeeds in the end. Like. Everybody yeah. else is such indecisive little whiny babies. Like, oh no, my friend might die. Like, they're literally freaking when um, when they're deciding whether or not to kill Benedict Wong. Mm-hmm. And she's like, no, you can't have my vote. It's like, you're literally going to plummet into the sun, little girl. Like, like everybody is like, going to die no matter what. He's going right. to die anyway. <laughs> like, you, you've got a death warrant and it's signed and you're going to die. Like... It, if, if 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 this guy dying means that the rest of the world lives, like it's not, it's not even a decision. And even like when they're talking about whether or not to like whether to go off course and um, rendezvous with the Icarus One, which there's something to be said for naming your ship intended to fly close to the sun, but not too close, the Icarus. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, not a great naming choice, boys. And then when the first one fails, they're like, ah, send another Icarus. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he's like, when, when they're like, oh, the Icarus one is here. And he's like, we're not doing it. It's not even a discussion. And the captain's like, well, maybe it's a discussion. <laughs> and the psychiatrist is like, well, I just want to stare at the sun for the rest of my life. So maybe <laughs> we should go rendezvous with the Icarus. And then like the little devil on his shoulder stops talking and he's like, could get another bomb <laughs> <laughs> it's just so ridiculous like i feel like i feel like chris evans the, there's a subreddit that's called am i the asshole <laughs> it's just people posting situations where they feel like they're in the right but they're curious if they're not i feel like chris evans could just like angry type out this entire thing and then be like am i the asshole here like what is going on <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, he's just like so clearly the only one making rational decisions. And the rest of the crew is like, nah, yeah, let's just gamble all of humanity for the eight of us. 
just, like, that's what I'm saying. But they're so wildly unqualified for this mission. Like, yeah. And Chris Evans is the only one that's like, guys, literally billions of people. <laughs> There's eight of us. There was eight of them. Like, that's 16 people that potentially die for billions of people. <laughs> and we all signed up for this. Right? Like, <laughs> I feel like they would have had to go through, like, preliminary psychic counselor not psychic psychological counseling to be like listen listen 80 percent chance you're dead at the end of this <laughs> so well, maybe, maybe don't send the frail little girl <laughs> well it was probably conducted by the psychiatrist and he was like you want to fly into the sun they're like yeah I'm like let's do it <laughs> so it probably wasn't that great of a psychological evaluation like there's just that's what I'm saying. This movie requires a lot of suspension at this point because it's easy to just get caught up in the ridiculousness of it. It's amazing they even got as far as they did where the movie started. Like they had to get a pretty far way to get there. Well, I think that actually I I believe that because the difference is this is that the movie starts with them losing contact with Earth. That's true. So like as much as they were like, Oh, we're on our own out here, like sixteen months just Floating in space, you know. I don't know why they became Eeyore, but <laughs> um, and, but then when they really become alone and just kind of stuck with each other, that's the that's when the movie starts, right? Yeah. So they've been getting messages from home for over a year. And that's fair. Yeah, it's it's when they lose contact with their family that the movie kicks off. So I, I believe that that like things get a little more tense. Yeah, it's, it's weird because it, Kappa in this is a really, really, really passive protagonist. I think that he's supposed to be the protagonist. I feel like Chris Evans is, honestly. Yeah. But Killian Murphy doesn't do much. I know. I wanted him to be more, like, sure of himself and just, yeah, more like Chris Evans. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, he didn't need to because we had Chris Evans. So I guess true. that's the thing. is like they sacrificed realism for more interesting character dynamics. Mm-hmm. Blah. They, like, <laughs> they gave all the characters like kind of a background. Mm-hmm. Um, and with Killian Murphy's character, his is that he's um, like so self-conscious that he's not an, like an astronaut and that he's just a physicist. Mm-hmm. And so that's like I think that attributes to a lot of him just like kind of letting things happen. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. This just came to my mind. So when I when I said that, that they, they sacrificed realism for character dynamics. Um, one of the greatest space movies of all time does not do this. And granted, it's a smaller cast. Apollo 13. Have you guys seen that? Mm-mm. I don't think so. Okay, I'm going to start <laughs> pulling Apollo 13 every single time that we go to do a podcast. Because that okay. movie is gosh darn fantastic. Okay. Um, not to ruin too much of it. Uh, but they are all... All of the characters involved are like very clearly, absolutely, fanatically brilliant and incredibly boring people. <laughs> <laughs> but the screenplay and the directing and everything and the acting is so phenomenal that like they keep you engaged for the the whole movie. So I think it's I think it's possible, but maybe it's just I mean it's definitely more difficult. And I get with like they're meant to explore different things, right? So like. Uh, this movie explores very different themes from something like Apollo 13. So they needed the character dynamics. Like I get why they did it. It's just a little fun to make fun of. And I can give them a pass on it. 
because this movie is one of the more interesting explorations of the idea of if you stare into the void long enough it begins to stare back or however that or what is it what's that saying do you guys know i have no idea what you're talking about nope okay so nietzsche said it from quora.com which is essentially yahoo answers in 2019 (laughs) says here uh, what did Nietzsche mean when he said, quote, if you stare into the abyss, the abyss stares back at you. And somebody writes an Whoa, essay. That is long. Um, let's see. Whatever. Um, the idea basically. Let's see. Hang on. Give me one second. I'm just going to pause this. And we're back. Um, sorry, I had to do uh, some on-the-spot research. <laughs> really intense, right? Uh, I just had to Google around a little bit to find somebody who can explain this better than I can. <laughs> so the, the full quote here uh, from Nietzsche is, Whoever fights with monsters should, should see to it that he does not become a monster in the process. And when you gaze long into an abyss, the abyss also gazes into you. Now, this is explanation of the quote. This is on the explain like I'm five subreddit from the user uh, Carmela Macchiato. Pretty great name. All right. Um, he says, I don't think that Nietzsche's intent based on other writings was to suggest that the abyss is negativity or something inherently good or evil. Rather, that taking an interest in slash having a morbid curiosity with emptiness or lack or the, quote, void, eventually causes an actual shift in consciousness, which you no longer have the autonomy to just walk away from. The passive act of contemplation becomes the interactive process of transformation. Hmm. I think that really applies to the psychiatrist. Yeah. Well, Mm -hmm. and the captain of Icarus One, Mm -hmm. right? So that's the that's the really interesting thing about exploring this theme with this movie is that we get to see it kind of happen in the beginning stages with the psychiatrist where he's just like in the observation room just staring at the sun and he just becomes fascinated mm-hmm. with it. And he even talks about how darkness is the absence of mm-hmm. light. So. Mm-hmm. And then even when um, the captain is about to die, the psychiatrist starts asking, what do you see? Yeah, which like, is phenomenal. One of the better moments in the movie. Yeah. And it's so... Yeah, this quote's so interesting with this movie because those scenes in the observation room are so pretty to watch. And, like, you kind of, like, those Mm -hmm. are some of my favorite scenes. And then, like, you see, like, his face is slowly getting more and more sunburned. Yeah. The more it goes. There's the scene. I don't remember what they're talking about, but they're all in the kind of the, the, it looks like almost like a cafeteria or something. And he's just, like, picking skin off of his forehead. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You guys, I don't know if you guys noticed that. I thought it was uh-huh. cool. I thought it was gross. Well, it was gross. <laughs> yeah. Not as gross as when they completely de-glove the bad guy's arm. Ew. You guys want to really, as our listeners, you want to really vomit sometime, go look up degloving. <laughs> it's horrendous. <laughs> don't do that. Yeah. Gross. It's exactly what it sounds like, but with skin instead of a glove. <laughs> Is that like an actual thing? Oh yeah, or, like you can, like your finger can get degloved. So like, let's say you get it caught like in some sort of machine or something, and it's it's enough. It's like not enough to rip off your finger, but it'll just like take all the skin off in one. Oh. Yeah, that's a real thing. 
That's so gross. Listen, I had to deal with Natalie Portman ripping a hangnail last week. I can't deal with this this week. <laughs> Let's just become a body horror podcast. No. We'll, uh-uh. watch, we'll watch The Thing next week. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that this this quote, and then specifically with the psychiatrist and the captain of Icarus 1, seeing kind of the different... Uh, the different stages of their transformation. I really, really, really like the way that that's put. They said the passive act of contemplation becomes the interactive process of transformation. So where I said, it's almost like a cult where the sun is the cult leader mm-hmm. and it's just like, it, and it's not an active thing. Like the sun isn't trying to corrupt their brains or transform them into like disciples of light or whatever, mm-hmm. but it's just, it's happening. And the fact that it happens with two people independently of each other shows that like maybe the sun has some sort of power over us well and it's actually very believable because like the sun is so far away and like so big and scary and like hard to understand and you can't get close to it and think about it's like it's like it's like going to the grand canyon and, like, you hear about the Grand Canyon, how mm-hmm. enormous and beautiful it is. But, like, how many people go to the Grand Canyon for the first time and just stare at it? That's, like, all you can do. But no, you know what I mean? Like, you can hike and you can walk around and blah, well, yeah. blah, blah. But, like, how many people just look at it? Everybody. Because it's, it's, <laughs> it's, there's, there's some, there's something, in it, like, baked into human consciousness that is this fascination with uh, things on an enormous scale mm-hmm. right like uh, it's the same thing that like it's so easy to just get lost like looking out at the ocean yeah and like the idea of you see like when we were at the natural history museum in new york and they have like a full-size model of a blue whale mm-hmm. and you're just like what on earth like that's a real freaking and you just look at it and you're just blown away by it so then you blow that up to a cosmic scale and you know you see like oh like a billion trillion earths would fit inside the sun or what you know i don't know what the actual number is but uh, like we can't fathom how big the earth is like we can't we cannot wrap our heads around how large the earth is mm-hmm. let alone the sun and you mix that with just like this insane output of light and heat and energy and you see that scene at the beginning where he's talking to the ai and he's like, what, what brightness am I, am I at? And he's thinking like 80. And she's like, you're at, what would you say? 2%, 2%. brightness. Mm-hmm. He's like, let's try three. And she's like, you would die. <laughs> <laughs> like you get where the fascination comes from. And uh-huh. like, it, it's just this thing that is impossible to fathom that is now in front of his face. Mm-hmm. And so you, you kind of, I guess, begin to understand how the, how that can warp the mind. And so when the captain of the other ship, you know, says that the sun is his god, like you can kind of understand how he got there. Yeah. That's my spiel. Well, yeah, and, like, it's so fascinating. Like, I could, if I were in this scenario, I could totally see myself, like, just staying in the observation room or whatever, you know, like, mm-hmm. just being totally blown away by the sun and what they're doing so i don't know it's interesting to see that in a movie 
Those are my thoughts on the themes of sunshine. <laughs> I don't know. I think that's the main theme, and I think it's the most interesting theme. Honestly. Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. But um, what else do we have to say? The music is great. Yeah, I did notice that this time. That I don't know that I noticed it another time. The music is awesome in this movie. Yeah, I thought it was fantastic. I think it was the music that really got me into the movie. Yeah. Like when they first see Mercury and they're all watching that. That scene is so good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then like, um, I think it's right towards the end when um, they like launch away from the ship and that music's going. I think, yeah, the music was a really big selling point for me for this one. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I wish that it lingered more on this. The scene where the payload is going off and Killian Murphy is just like in front of the wall of the sun and there's that shot that it's only like two seconds but the camera's behind him and you just see him silhouetted against like the actual sun is such a freaking cool shot so cool and like you get the idea that I mean this is something that happened in an instant right but you you he his consciousness lingers there for a minute and you get to experience that with him and that's awesome I don't know. This movie is awesome. Like, this movie's really cool. <laughs> it is cool. Well, because I don't know that there's another space movie about the sun, you know? Like, not that I know of. Well, they said that um, they were hesitant to do this movie because of the movie Solaris. Which Solaris? I, Solaris, which I guess is about the sun and I guess is terrible. So... Uh, interesting fact that is a remake of an Andre Tarkovsky film, mm-hmm. which we have sitting on our shelf and we have yet to watch because I can never convince Becca to watch Russian movies <laughs> with me. Because I don't have time. <laughs> um, yeah, I didn't know Solaris was about the sun. I thought it was a planet called Solaris. I don't know. I didn't actually read what the movie's Isn't about. The remake so. of Solaris have George Clooney in it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, I don't know why we did that. I like George Clooney. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. Any other thoughts on this movie? No. Mm-mm. It's a good one. It's entertaining. You should yeah. watch it. Yeah, it is. All right. Uh, do we have any trivia before we get into final thoughts? Yeah. All right. Let's hear it. Um, after finding how difficult it was to make this, uh, Danny Boyle vowed to never do a sci-fi movie again, which is kind of disappointing. Because we love sci-fi and we love Danny Boyle. But like I said, we've entered into the golden age of Danny Boyle. After this movie, we got Slumdog Millionaire, we got 127 Hours, and we got Steve Jobs. Who's complaining? Had a good run. Um, Danny Boyle was so impressed with Michelle Yeoh's audition uh, that he just let her choose whatever part she wanted. And he said that he would like even change the gender if he wanted one of the, the men's part. Um, actual. That's funny because her performance didn't really do much for me i just think yeah. it was the character i don't think the character yeah. was that fascinating she's just in love with her plants yeah I, I guess so so answer me this though did the crazy captain take time to pose her like that or did she I, sit up i assume <laughs> that she sat up because <laughs> i think she picked the plant uh-huh and then she, she was holding it yeah that's my guess I yeah um, actual sounds received from space were incorporated into the sound design. Uh, sorry, the sound design in this movie is great as well. Mm-hmm. Really, really good. Um, so the interior of the ship, they purposely made it messy 
uh, with a lot of exposed wiring to resemble the exposed nerves of the crew. Hmm. Hmm. Might be a bit of a stretch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit, but... Um, How about the exposed nerves of... Uh, no. Uh, James Franco. The literal... <laughs> Seriously, one of the more... Probably the most cringe-inducing moment I've ever seen in a movie is when he cuts that nerve. Because the music and the camera and it all just comes to Oh my gosh. Danny Boyle, you're a genius. I love you. <laughs> um, when promoting Annihilation, Alex Garland revealed that he named the character Harvey after Harvey Weinstein uh, for his rude and snappy attitude. Good. They're both pricks. Uh-huh. <laughs> Very true. Um... So the scene where, what is this? Um, when Mace or Chris Evans is trying to fix the coolant, um, they like actually put him in cold water so it could like you know his breath would you would show. That's rude. Yeah, wow. his teeth were chattering for real in that one. Um, and then that's they... funny because that was I thought the I was almost laughing at that part because of his delivery. You need to <laughs> do it, Kappa. I was like. <laughs> well then maybe that's how it it actually sounds could be i don't know what i'm saying real life is really glamorous it's true um and then last one they were originally going to give chris evans kind of a slow death just to kind of freeze to death and then seeing just how cool of a character he is they decided to um do like the leg trapping thing mm. and have it get caught on his choco and then that's how he died so. He's caught on his chocolate. It's caught on his knee. <laughs> All I could see were, were those chocos. <laughs> Me too. Just like, they were pretty why are you wearing chocos? <laughs> You're not going on a hike, buddy. <laughs> it, like, you got to think one of the most important considerations when launching people into space is weight. I can't imagine the flight commander who was like, yep, you can bring your chocos. <laughs> Maybe right, it's the Chacos that ruined the mission. They like off they were balanced. a little bit too heavy. Yeah. <laughs> it was his fault all along. Fun fact, those are the same Chacos worn by Josh Brolin in Sicario. <laughs> Doesn't he wear pair. Crocs in those? No, he wears Chacos. Okay. I think he wears Crocs in the second one. Because <laughs> just no totally boy. jumps the shark. <laughs> okay. Uh, Becca, final thoughts and score out of 10. Okay. Well, like we've said, I think Sunshine is a great movie. Um, definitely not like my favorite movie by any means, or even my favorite space movie. But it's a great movie about space with some great people and great music. So I really liked it. And... Ooh, let's see. I think I will give it maybe like an 8.4. Sid? Um, yeah, I liked this one. I would probably say that I like probably like 28 days later more. Um, but I did really like this one. I think it's very good as a sci-fi. Um, kind of very different than what you would expect which i really liked um i thought the performances were pretty good um music editing special effects i thought it all worked pretty well 
I'm going to give this one an 8.2. Righto, folks. Um, yeah, this one's good. Uh, like I said, it definitely builds steam as it goes. There's definitely some dialogue, especially towards the front, that's pretty clunky. Um, 35 revisions later. <laughs> Maybe they only needed 15. And yeah. like as they went, they were like, Ooh, let's just make them all really witty. But then they all just kind of suck. <laughs> um yeah, I like it. I like the. I think that the the directing in the screenplay are the strongest points, despite the screenplay's weakness. I think that Chris Evans and Killian Murphy both give great performances. Um, I'm gonna give this one an even eight. That puts us at an average of eight point two for the Western scale. Right below, twenty eight days later. Seems like a good spot for it. Yeah. All three of our Danny Boyles are right together. <laughs> eight four eight three eight two. <laughs> See, that's the funny thing is when I say he's my favorite director, I don't mean that he makes my favorite films. I just love his style so much. I think it's really distinctive and unique. And we talked about this last week. Becca and I just watched Train Spotting. Oh yeah, we did. Where would you put that in the pantheon of David or Danny Boyle movies? Uh, probably on the low end. Yeah, you didn't like it. Yeah. Even though the screenplay in there is so good. I liked a lot of things about it. I just didn't like it as a whole. Mm. How about Birdman? You're still responsible for the fact that Birdman has an 8.8. Yeah. Well, I need to watch it again because (laughs) I have thought about it a lot since watching it and it has improved. Speaking of... Opinions improving over time. Revisionist corner. It's time for some revisionist corner. We don't have a sound for this. Uh, we're just gonna. Ooh, that's okay. it. That's revisionist <laughs> corner. <laughs> I, um, as you do, got lost last night in the bottomless pit that is scrolling Facebook videos. <laughs> <laughs> now I need to. I need to preface this a little bit. I have. N- never sat down to intentionally watch the big bang theory i have watched a handful of episodes of how i met your mother and i avoid young sheldon like the plague but somehow i still end up watching like 15 clips from those three shows a day on scrolling (laughs) facebook videos and they're not funny and i don't enjoy them but (laughs) i'll start out watching some like video making fun of soundcloud rappers or something and then all of a sudden it's how i met your mother clips i don't understand <laughs> or i watched i ended up watching new girl clips and that was painful <laughs> that show looks terrible i like that show yeah it's not that bad um i think the association all kind of fucked with me if i'm being honest with you. I can that. <laughs> that's fair uh, but every once in a while you stumble upon a gym there's a guy out there and he does uh, these drumming videos kind of in the vein oh of, I think I've seen this uh, the Birdman drumming where he'll like take dialogue and drum behind it and it's genius this is just an example of <laughs> finding a gem in scrolling Facebook videos <laughs> um, I ran into a, uh, a a Facebook page that takes the screenplay of a movie and scrolls it in the bottom half of the screen I, I don't know what the page is called I didn't end up liking the page script to screen <laughs> maybe who knows okay. So they have the, the, the screenplay of the movie scrolling in the bottom half of the frame and the actual movie in the top. 
and it was a breakdown. It was like a five minute scene from the social network. Hmm. And I got to say, I think I was entirely too harsh on that movie. I think it, and maybe it was just that one scene is so good, but it was able to pull me in, in like 10 seconds. And I could have, if it was kind of one of those things that like, if you're flipping through the channels and Die Hard is on, you have to watch Die Hard. <laughs> If I was just watching TV and I happen to be, which I <laughs> watches TV, um, and I happen to be flipping through and the social network was on, I think I would be forced to sit down and watch it. I think it's it's a very engrossing film, and I don't know that we gave it enough credit for that. And I'm sure that we talked about how good the screenplay is, but gosh darn, is the screenplay good. But on top of that, Andrew Garfield's performance is stellar, and I don't know if we gave him enough credit for that. So my revisionist corner is basically, I think that we were maybe, I can't give it a new number because I don't remember what my original number was. We put it at a 7.7 on par with Batman Begins. And Hmm. I think that's a crime. Yeah. Yeah, it's lower than Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Yeah. Yeah. I think that The Social Network is a very good movie. And I think maybe early on in our podcasting career, we were, I guess, trying to not just gush praise on everything and felt like we needed to give it a lower score but also it is a biopic so maybe you just don't like them it's a it's a courtroom drama though that's true like it's about real people but because it doesn't follow like it's not like about mark zuckerberg even. Yeah. it's about this conflict between um eduardo and uh-huh. mark i don't know my revisionist corner is as simple as this. I think we were too harsh on the social network. I think it's better than a 7.7. And I think that we probably didn't give Andrew Garfield enough praise for his performance. All right. Yeah. Probably. Because the scene that they broke down was the scene where he shows up at the Facebook offices right after Mark has diluted his stock. Uh-huh. I actually watched that clip. Did that you? That same script to screen. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Facebook scrolling videos. <laughs> and he walks in and uh, Justin Timberlake is like, oh, no, he's plugged in. Mm-hmm. And... Andrew Garfield kills that scene. He smashes the laptop. Are you plugged in now? (laughs) (laughs) And then the the directing in it, I guess this is directing and editing. The editing in that movie is fantastic. The way Mm -hmm. that it flips back and forth between the courtroom scenes and the actual scenes, specifically in that one, because it goes back and forth. And then the, the, uh, the interviewer, the, the person doing the deposition is, you know, what were Mark's shares diluted down to? They weren't. And what were um, Justin Timberlake's shares diluted down to? They weren't. And she asked him like four or five people. And she's like, and what were your shares diluted down to? And he's like, 0.003%. And like that delivery and the the directing and the edit, that's... And the thing is, is I don't remember that scene being significantly better than the rest of the film. So if that scene is that good, it stands to reason that we were probably too harsh on the social network. Oh, we may have to give that one another go. All right. That is my revisionist corner. That's a good revisionist corner. Also, go look up the guy who does the drumming underneath the dialogue because it's incredible. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I saw him do it um, to a clip from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I think that we just watched the same Facebook video. (laughs) Probably. (laughs) (laughs) It was the one with Charlie explaining his theory about the mail. Oh, no. I watched the one where Dennis is selling his car. No, yeah. I saw the one on Twitter. It was him explaining his theory it was so funny i don't know i wish i could give that guy credit because he's fantastic (laughs) all right moving on to our last and final uh segment other topics 
the Oscars just happened. And Green Book took home the award for Best Picture. I know I don't swear too often on this podcast, but I just have to let it out. Um, what the shit? I, uh, I'm so mad. I... I and like it's honest my heart rate is up right now. <laughs> I screamed when I found out that they won. Are you not watching it? No, I did. Oh. Uh I screamed. I think I scared my family a little bit cuz they were just like, "Well, I'm going to go to bed now." <laughs> uh, but then the next day I like went to my workout and I'll tell you it was one of the best workouts I've had in a while cuz I was yeah. so frustrated. <laughs> but they were just like there are on so many different levels why this was undeserving of a win. And it's so frustrating to just even think about. Ugh. I have a lot of feelings about this. So I actually, uh, I did some research into this. And I think I touched on this in our pre-Oscar uh, episode. Um, but the way that Best Picture is decided is just a joke. So every every single other award is based on popular vote, which still doesn't explain how Bohemian Rhapsody won sound editing and mixing over First Man. Yeah. Um, I never thought I'd get upset about the sound editing Oscar. I know. <laughs> <laughs> like, great job, guys! You play you, you press play on a Queen song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really well done. I'm sure Brian May and Roger Taylor are very happy with you. Um, so. Every single other Oscar is determined on a popular vote. Whoever gets the most vi- most votes wins. Now, the best picture is decided on a ranked choice. Mm-hmm. So every member of the Academy um, lists their fate, their Oscar. They list the the best picture nominees in order from best to worst. And the company that does the accounting or the the ballot counting. Uh, puts them into piles with so like let's say so your list could be entirely different from somebody else but if you have the same number one choice you go into the same pile so you go into piles based on what your number one choice is right now if that pile accounts for over 50 percent of the vote then that movie wins if it does not then the pile with the least amount of votes gets removed they essentially scratch out their first choice and the second choice of everybody in that group becomes their first choice right so let's say the lowest number of votes went to vice right and the highest number and and like roma got 48 percent but 55 percent of people put green book as their second choice then green book wins so the pile that has the lowest number of votes gets removed. They scratch out that number one and resort the ballots based on their number two. If the biggest pile accounts for more than 50%, then that movie wins. If it still doesn't, then again, the smallest is removed. Any movies that have been removed from the running are then scratched out, and your highest remaining vote becomes your vote for best picture. And the piles are resorted until a single pile accounts for over 50% of the votes. It's ridiculous. That's so stupid. So that's how you can end up with the extremely safe pick of Green Book winning over something a little more adventurous like Roma or The Favorite or even A Star is Born. Mm-hmm. 
Which because I think I think this, I think a Star is Born would have been an incredibly safe pick. Yeah. Oh yeah, way better. Like nobody's the star, a Star is Born is a lot of things. It's not edgy. Yeah, the favorite's edgy. Like I would have been disappointed if a Star is Born won, but I wouldn't have been mad like I am about Green Book. I think I would have been happy if yeah. Star I'd have been is totally Born fine with the Star is Born. Yeah. Like that would be my second pick. I think after Roma. I also just love this picture of them accepting the award for best picture. Oh, I know. And it's this freaking story about racial inequality mm-hmm. and bridging the gap and overcoming our differences. And it's just a stage full of white dudes. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's Octavia Spencer and Mahershala and then some black guy that they were probably just like, hey, we have too many white guys. Will you come up with us? <laughs> right? Like, it's just... And I think the epitome of this movie is the fact that in the acceptance speech, the producer thanked Viggo Mortensen, but not Mahershala Ali. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. said, this movie wouldn't have happened without Viggo Mortensen. <laughs> <laughs> That's really just showing on what this movie is about. It was It was not a labor of love, folks. Let's it, just put it that way. It was about Viggo Mortensen's character, and it's written by three of the people who wrote it, all white guys. One of them was his son. Yeah. So it's just, it's, they don't, they don't care about Mahershala. Well, and didn't the family of Mahershala Ali's character like come out and be like, "This is entirely yeah." Erroneous. They didn't. Like, they didn't consult his family at all. So it's yeah. Wow. It's pretty much just like, oh, this one white guy liked this one black guy. And Isn't even, racism like, bad? Go back and watch the videos of Alfonso Cuarón winning Best Director, and this winning Best Picture. When Alfonso Cuarón, it, it's so funny because when the Oscars posted stuff to their instagram story i don't know if you noticed this but they posted a video of all of the awards that alfonso Cuarón won and and Mm -hmm. so they posted like videos of like alfonso Cuarón winning all three of his awards and olivia coleman winning hers and rami malek winning his but then there were others where they just posted like a picture Uh i noticed that it took them a while to post anything about green book yeah like it was like a full day later yeah and it was totally the ones where the crowd didn't give a crap. Yeah. <laughs> so like Alfonso Cuarón wins Best Director and the crowd freaks out. Olivia Coleman wins and the crowd freaks out. Everybody loves it. Her I still sex. remember. I still remember when it was announced. Like, and the winner is Green Book, and people were like, "Yeah." Did you hear that Spike Lee tried to leave the? Yeah, theater? he tried to walk out. Like that's amazing. <laughs> Did you see his like interview afterwards? Yeah, and he's like, "I just lose to people driving yeah. other people around." It's true, but then. Um, you know, they asked him, like, what do you think about Green Book? And he's like, let me take another sip. And he just, like, chugs his champagne. Huh? And then he's like, next question. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing. I am I was pretty vocally not the biggest fan of Black Klansmen. Mm-hmm. I still would have been way more happy about that one. Oh, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, it was... Any it, other movie. The sentiment that I saw Except repeated over and over. But even that, like, even Bohemian Rhapsody or Black Panther winning, like, at least then you get a bit of a shit show on the internet. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like... Freaking Green Book winning is just the most boring outcome that we could have asked for. Yeah. The only thing that would have been worse than Green Book winning would be Vice winning. Because like at least I we, forgot about I always right? forgot about that one. <laughs> at least we get why Green Book won, right? Because yeah. it, it I saw this. I, I wish that I had it pulled up. There's this really great uh, breakdown of it that somebody did on Reddit that basically said that um, Green Book is a movie made by white people to make white people feel better about their racism. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And so like, we get why Green Book was made mm-hmm. and why it won. And I get, uh, sorry, not not made. I get why Vice was made. But if Vice had won, it would have just been like, <laughs> why? 
Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? But like Green Book is just like it's it's like the crowd when it was announced. They're just like, oh. Okay, I guess. Sure. Sure. Like if Black, like, again, if Black Panther Bohemian Rhapsody wins, at least you get something to argue about. Yeah. But like yeah. with Green Book, we're we're left with the most boring outcome, and that's what the ranked voting system gives us mm-hmm. is the safest, most boring outcome, and it blows my freaking mind. That the Shape of Water managed to win with that. Yeah. With that voting system. And maybe it's just because it was so kooky that it was everybody's fourth choice. You know what I mean? I don't yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's so frustrating because you, you just want it to be based solely on which is just cinematically better. And Roma is the best one. Which is why it should be popular vote. Just like every yeah. other, either do everything ranked choice or That's do so everything. Um, like, what's their reasoning vote. behind that? Like, I why make it more complicated for themselves? It's, like, to... It's because... I don't know. It's because there's more nominees or something like that. I don't know. What? Whatever. It's stupid. It's so dumb. The Academy is dumb. It really is, but I just... Oh, I love the Oscars, I though. would like to hear from our listeners about any other um, film awards that might have a little more integrity than the Academy. So the thing is, like... I hear about a lot of the other awards that, like, get it right. Because um, I didn't think the Golden Globes were particularly good this no, year. No, I heard that the, um, the Spirit, was it the Spirit Awards? There was one awards that's, like, the day before the Oscars that was really good, but they're just not as prestigious as the Oscars, so no one cares. The Screen Actors Guild Awards yeah, are usually that's pretty good. Yeah. Because... Um, I have heard about the Spirit Awards. I, it's either Screen Actors or Spirit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because the Screen Actors Guild is deter- it's voted for by actors. Mm-hmm. So, do with that what you will. As long as we all know in our heart that Roma is the better movie. Well, that's what I'm saying. Is like, he, Still, Alfonso took home three Oscars. Mm-hmm. Good for him. Should have been four, but... He deserved all of them. Yeah. And yeah. even, like, it was so funny. Every time he walked up to the stage, Mahershala Ali stopped him and hugged him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love Mahershala. I I'm fine with him winning. He's great. He's, yeah, I got no problem with that. Um, shoot, what was it? Oh, so after I found out about Green Book winning, you know, I was going mm-hmm. off on a rant, and I like turned to my brother and I like, I was kind of yelling, but <laughs> I was just like, "This is just like a few years ago when Crash won," and my brother was like, "What? What's Crash?" And I was like, few, "Exactly." When you say a few years ago, you mean thirteen years yeah. ago. <laughs> I am the oldest person alive. Oh my <laughs> I've never seen Crash. I've never seen it. I don't. But a lot of people it. were comparing this to the Crash win. Yeah, and it's just so frustrating. See, that's the funny thing is like, I'm gonna try. I'm gonna not go off the top of my head. So hang on. This is it, it's funny because like. USA Today, your website is great. Oh, it's got the newest ones at the top. Like, it's so crazy because you have to really go back to 2013. I think I think 2013 is in the same category as this. Yeah, I could see that. As far as, like, Argo just being kind of a boring pick. It's mm-hmm. not a bad movie. But it's just, there are better ones. It's not Best Picture. Yeah. But, like, going back, you got Shape of Water, Moonlight, Spotlight, Birdman, 12 Years a Slave. Like, that was your run of Best Picture winners. You're telling me that Green Book is in the same category as those movies? Or even, like, The Hurt Locker or Slumdog Millionaire, yeah. No Country for Old Men, The Departed, Million Dollar Baby, Return of the King, Beautiful Mind, Sh- or Gladiator, Titanic. 
You're telling me that Green Book is as good as Titanic? <laughs> no chance, folks. Oh, my gosh. Schindler's List. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Silence of the Lambs. Ugh. This is... Amadeus. Um, I'm, going, I'm, I'm, I'm going to where I'm no longer familiar with movies. Uh, yeah. The 70s I check out. But... Yeah, That's the thing. Just... You're telling me that Green Book... This is what the ranked voting gives us. I don't know. That's so stupid. Uh, That's my overall reaction. Just, just <laughs> Mine's just like, just screaming. That's just my reaction. Some highlights, though. There were... Okay, what Alfonso they got Cuaron, good Alfonso was good. That's what I'm saying. It was like, it was so 50-50. Yeah, it really was. Between just being like a huh? pick and yeah. like a, all right, yes, the actual person won. Yeah. Alfonso Cuaron won three. Olivia Coleman won. I was so happy about that. Um, Her acceptance speech was amazing. That was amazing. First Man won Best Visual Effects. Mm-hmm. I would have given it to Infinity War, but I have no problem with First Man. The Not moon landing scene was stunning. Uh-huh. Um, you have, I guess, Green Book got screenplay. Spider-Man. Yeah, Spider-Man winning. Yeah, very excited. Such a surprise. Um, like, I was even fine with, like, there were a few ones that, like, Black Panther won. Yeah, like, production design, That I was just kind of like, design. okay. Black Panther won best score i know i was i was kind of surprised by that makes but no sense yeah whatever but yeah what they got right they got it pretty right what they got wrong they got it really wrong yep yep and 100%. like best editing for bohemian, bohemian rhapsody, rhapsody. <laughs> are you kidding me <laughs> <laughs> who picked that who i like i saw a video and they were like okay well this is how we do like the cgi of the crowd which we talked about on that one episode that looks like crap but then they're like oh and then we have to edit each scene and then we have to put this in i'm like okay yeah maybe it's kind of impressive for one scene but the whole movie is just garbage you can't base it off one good scene i saw it was it in uh was it in that patrick h williams video that he was talking about how bad the editing is in bohemian rhapsody Uh, he did make a point that like it's bad because they wanted to equally represent yeah, they every wanted character to give every band member equal time even though it's yeah. a freddie mercury biopic and this is the problem with having the other members of the band be executive yes. producers of the movie ryan which is, and roger taylor are the biggest reasons why bohemian rhapsody sucked which is probably why the new elton john movie is not going to be that great either is elton john an executive producer i don't know but i just i kind of feel like i mean they definitely did that with straight out of compton too they like really sugared it down ice cube was played by ice cube's son yeah but just like honestly i don't really feel like you can get an accurate depiction of someone's life if they're still alive you're probably right because only make biopics about dead people yeah speaking of what moving on to other movies that we've watched i watched the king speech okay what'd you think i still uh feel secure in saying that uh black swan is my favorite movie of that year but Especially for it being a biopic, I quite enjoyed it. Yeah, I really like that one, actually. I think I don't think that it was the best picture winner, but again, we have our ranked choice voting, and mm-hmm. it's not the worst thing that could have happened. Um, Colin Firth did an astounding job. Definitely best actor. Mm-hmm. Um, best directing, yeah. And best screenplay. The screenplay was really good. Yeah. I think that it took a really uh, unexpected path to... Uh, I guess get across what it was trying to get across and I think it explored some really interesting things as far as the loneliness of leadership goes um, and kind of how alienated Colin Firth's character felt and how um, you know Jeffrey Rush's character was able to help him 
cope with that and his newfound responsibilities. And yeah. I think that's a good one. It was good. Yeah. I don't think that it was like I'd give it like an eight. Yeah. But I would give Colin Firth's performance like a ten. Yeah. He does He's an, he does an astounding job. Really good in that one. Um also Helena Bonham Carter not playing a quirky weirdo. <laughs> so thank you, I guess for that. Um and then last night I gotta finish it today because I fell asleep. I started watching Noah. Oh, okay. From Darren Aronofsky. Uh-huh. I don't know what to think. <laughs> I kind of forget about that one a lot. I'm just trying to work my way through his movies right now. Yeah. Because I'm just... Noah is out of the new ones, the one I haven't seen. So mm-hmm. then I'm going to go back and watch um, The Fountain and The Wrestler next. I mean, I haven't seen Noah, but I kind of feel like it's like right in between him trying to do like a blockbuster and him trying to do like what he's good at and like it's like the artsy kind of stuff it's weird it's really weird yeah that's what i heard it's not bad it's uh-huh. just really weird yeah i don't know mother's better <gasps> yeah, I, like, I like the movie mother don't tell anybody i enjoy it good time watching it <laughs> uh Becca, you've been pretty busy, right? Have you really watched anything? I have not watched anything. We are caught up on The Bachelor. Yes, we are. <laughs> That's the only thing I've watched this week. <laughs> Literally, no TV, nothing else. Just The Bachelor. <laughs> <But> the Bachelor. <laughs> Priorities. Yep. But you? I watched Stalker yesterday, which I liked it, but I just, I don't know. It's just so abstract that it's hard to really form an opinion on it i don't know okay i did really like it it was very hard to get through that's yeah that's fair um but like the scenes where something was actually happening like the end when they're kind of arguing about the bomb that was a great scene i really liked that one but then there's just i don't know it was just like the in-between moments that were really hard to get through really yeah, I think if I, my opinion on that movie, if you make it through the first forty minutes, you're in. Yeah, I definitely felt like once they actually got to the zone, and like we're walking around, like getting in there, it definitely got better. Maybe not even the first but, forty minutes. Just once they get past that, uh, the military camp. Mm-hmm. Like once they get past that, because that scene of them in the rail car, where it transitions from the sepia to the color, yeah, is just cool. an absolutely yeah. astounding. <clears throat> shot yeah and it that's is pretty great so long mm-hmm. it holds for so long and it's yeah. so hypnotic the sound of the rail car movie oh my gosh yeah i feel like if i could watch this movie in like 30 minute increments i would like it a lot better so like i could watch 30 minutes and the next day i watch the next 30 see that because it's you know i definitely you just watching it and admiring the craft of it and have mm-hmm. it being like this long of a shot is great but after 18 shots like that, it gets a little bit hard to keep up with it. I would love to do an episode on Stalker because I don't, uh, I mean, we're already an hour and a half at this point right now in this episode. So <laughs> I don't want to get into it. There is, Stalker is such an astoundingly good movie. No, I mean, I can definitely see why it's regarded as such a great movie and why you like it so much. But I think it would take another go for me to really form 
a strong opinion on that one. Maybe you could actually give it back to me. Yes, I will next week. <laughs> Chill out. Okay. What, are you going to watch it in the next week? I might. <laughs> right. Well, you're just going to have to wait. All right. Um, and then I watched Lorena, the oh, documentary. Quite good. <laughs> I love that. It was quite good, right? It was really good. Oh, sorry. Not to get it. I watched Wild Wild Country on Netflix. What's that one? It's about this cult in Oregon. Uh-huh. The, it, you should watch it. Okay. okay. <laughs> I don't want to give anything away. It's it's really good. Okay. I think... Have I heard anything about that one? But yeah. Yeah, I'm like trying to get more into documentaries and docuseries, but they're just a little bit hard. But Lorena was really good. Lorena was very good. Very good. If you want to see a severed penis... <laughs> Give it a go. Probably the only way to do it without getting on some FBI watch list. <laughs> oh my gosh. Did you finish it? Yeah. He is the biggest idiot in the entire world. Oh yeah. He's so stupid. Like at the beginning I was like, oh, she's just crazy. And then like, you know, she starts talking and then it's just like the stuff he did after the trial that is you mean porn? mind boggling. <laughs> oh, I'm going to get a penis extension. Freaking idiot. I'm going to almost murder this girl. He lives the dream, man. He's, he's so he's, stupid. He lives the dream. He's a man who's able to make his entire life entirely about his penis. <laughs> Which is the true and secret desire of every man. Oh my gosh. What All an right. idiot. Anything else? I think that's it. All right. Well, um, Becca is abandoning us, so we might be gone for a couple weeks. Yes. Lame. Uh, but I realized that I never uploaded the episode about the big short. Ah. So I'm going to have to throw that up. Nice. Uh, yeah. I think that's it for us. We love you. If you want to get in contact with us, facebook.com slash we watch movies and then talk about them. Instagram at movies we watch. You can slide into the DMs with any suggestions for movies you'd like to uh, hear us talk about. And that's it. I'm Andrew. I'm Becca. I'm Sid. And we'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye.